everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. everyone. Welcome back to another week of Bulletproof Hygiene. I hope everyone is doing well and practicing at their fullest potential. I am super excited to introduce you guys today to a fellow hygienist, a uh, hygienist, Amber Auger. And Amber is a practicing dental hygienist with a mission to elevate the standard of care to determine the root cause of oral disease. With over 17 years of experience, Amber specializes in creating practical systems to implement the latest oral science. She is the 2019 Sunstar Award of Distinction recipient, a contributor to RDH Magazine, a featured author for Dentistry IQ, editorial director of the RDH Graduate Newsletter, clinical marketing strategist for Endeavor Business Media, and the host of Ask Amber RDH. She has provided preventative hygiene services in Romania, Kenya, Nicaragua, and the Dominican Republic. She is committed to expanding access to care for patients worldwide and has a master's degree in public health. Amber is actively mentoring and educating fellow dental hygienists in their careers and in personal and career growth through Thrive in the Op, which is an on-demand course curriculum and weekly live coaching sessions. She is also the owner of the Functional RDH Certification, that provides hands-on and classroom lectures to identify the root cause of dental dysbiosis and ways in which to restore whole body health based on the latest science. Welcome, Amber. I recently had the pleasure of connecting with you at the IDM conference down in Tampa, and honestly, I was really just wowed by your story, um, your passion, and your drive for elevating hygiene. And coaching hygienists, you know, obviously that's a passion I share as well, and just honestly, spreading care around the globe. That's a really unique part of your stories, um, of your story. And I know that our listeners today are going to hear your passion come out for sure. And I love it because it's contagious. Um, and Amber, I feel like we have to start out with you sharing about hygiene, how hygiene started for you, because sure. your story is really powerful. And I feel like especially so many of the new hygienists, you know, coming out, new grads, they hit the ops fresh and, you know, ready to go. And find that it doesn't always go the way we think it's going to go. And I think your story is so encouraging when it comes to overcoming obstacles and to really chasing your passion. So welcome. We're so excited to have you. And will you just share your clinical journey with us? Yes, of course. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Well, I will say, you know, my journey was a difficult one. I was always the student who would teach other students in study club and then get to the point where I was testing and failing tests. And uh, amazingly, I had a fantastic instructor who 
realized that. And one day I had failed another test and I was on the brink of failing out of hygiene school. And she said, I'm going to take you to my office and we're going to review your test. And I was like, oh my gosh, great. And you know, we're, we're all type A in hygiene school yeah. competing with each other. And I was like, great, I'm the one, I'm going to be the problem. So uh, she pulled me into the office and asked me all the questions verbally. And without any multiple choice, I got them right. So there was a disconnect between what I could really comprehend on paper versus what I could, you know, comprehend auditorially and be when I was asked. So my journey starts with really being the hygiene student who struggled through hygiene school. And I think that created a totally different foundation for me in my career because I looked at, I look at things differently. I have to, I take more time to process things. I have to know it inside and out to be able to teach the patient, of course, but really my brain works differently than your average uh, person. And a lot of people would kind of see that as a setback. And I see that as my unique ability to meet clinicians where they're at. And I understand what it means if you take a little bit longer to understand something. I understand that you need to maybe process it with a peer. And um, so that's how I really create content in that manner. Um, so I started a bit of hygienist for 13 years. I still practice two days a week and I absolutely love clinical hygiene now more than ever. And uh, I really transitioned outside of the traditional operatory because I started dental hygiene with carpal tunnel. So I grew up with a single mom. I've been on my own financially since I was 13. And um, that required me to be a waitress. So I waitress all through high school and college to pay for school. So uh, because of waitressing, I uh, can't practice full-time clinically. I would love to practice full-time clinically. And I think uh, I would really enjoy that career, but for me physically, I can't. So it also makes me a unique speaker because I got into this in 2016. I was a very young face. I still am. As you can tell, and uh, I, I was thinking podcast, I'll keep it, keep it fresh and I don't have any makeup on, but here we are being vulnerable. Uh, so anyway, um, long story short, I I think it makes me unique on the podium as well, because I started this career really seeing things from a different perspective of starting hygiene young, being told that, you know, I understand what it's like in the real world of hygiene. I was called out by a couple of dentists that I worked for in the past that told me not to tell patients that their gums bleeding isn't normal. And, you know, I was too aggressive with my non-surgical period recommendations and let's wait. And I'm like, let's wait until it's a six or seven. Like why, why wait? Um, so it's been really amazing to see where the profession is going and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Yeah. And I am, I think, one of, I didn't know that about the hygiene school part of your journey. So that's really interesting. And, and I think you're right. It's so compelling for people who, because it doesn't come easy to everyone and, you know, there's a lot to know and understand. So I think that's really cool, but I was super impressed because I know you shared at your lecture in Tampa, you know, the story about carpal tunnel that, you know, they even said to you before you even started like, Hey, I don't know how this is going to go for you. This, this may not be the, the right track for you. And you were like, Nope, this is, this is what I'm passionate about. And so I love that. And I think it's so important to hear that part of your story because every hygienist has some sort of barrier to overcome in the process. And so, you know, sometimes we hear, we hear other people's stories and we think, well, gosh, that went so well for them. You know, why isn't it going well for me? So it's nice to hear, hey, this didn't go perfectly for me because that's the reality. It goes perfectly for no one. But in our heads, we somehow, you know, where everybody puts those filters on everything. So people think, oh, right. you know, it just happened for you. It was great. And it's like, no, right. there's a fight and there's a struggle and there's a battle for all of us in different arenas. So I love that part of the story for sure. 
Hey, Bulletproof hygienists. We are excited to announce our 2023 Bulletproof Summit. Mark the date on your calendar and block off patient care because we're going to be in Las Vegas, August 11th and 12th at the Wynn Hotel. Registration is live. Get all the details and jump on the early bird specials by going to bulletproofsummit.com. This is our opportunity to connect with you and your team in person and grow exponentially together. We promise you don't want to miss it and we can't wait to see you there. Sign up today. So um, another thing that I really love about you, and I think we kind of, we share this, is that you are practicing, and I know it's a little less because of the what, what you had explained, um, but you are still practicing while you are leading. And I think that's so important to kind of keep a toe in the water so that we really can keep a pulse on the reality that hygiene is really hard. And we have so many obstacles every day outside of just doing the hygiene. And and that being said, I want to plug, I love your videos that you do on Instagram. You guys check her out at at RDHMAG because you acknowledge all of those crazy roadblocks that we run into in a really fun, entertaining way. Um, So if you guys need a good laugh, check check it out. (laughs) I love it. Um, And I know you've become really fervent about helping our patients achieve true health. Um, at the same time, encouraging hygienists to get off of the bloody profi train and really digging into root cause of dental disease. So what led you to that mindset and how has that process gone for you? Yeah. So really that mindset for me started back in, I want to say 2018, um, doing a lot more speaking and my body, uh, 2018 started to react to this stress of working clinically at the time I was working four days a week clinically and then lecturing, um, you know, significantly with, with lecturing as, as you know, uh, there's a lot of travel involved. There's a lot of delays involved. It's a lot to go up and be vulnerable on stage with an audience. Not everybody's ready to hear your message. So you have to find this, it's a fine line of, of knowing what you're called, what's on your heart and what you're called to say versus what the industry is ready for. And sometimes you have to be saying things that the industry is not ready for yet, uh, but you have to take on that, that charge. So uh, what happened for me is I found myself really breaking out in a lot of rashes. Um, I would go up and they were, it was always the most convenient place, honestly, always like the neck, always looked like a hickey. It was always, I was like, great, here we are. My first dental supply Serona world. And it looks like I have a hickey and I do not have a hickey. I literally have a rash. Uh, and I ended up going to see a hygienist that practices uh, really holistic hygiene in Canada. And she owns her own practice. And uh, long story short, she did a pathogen test on me and uh, we looked at my red complex bacteria. And even though my gums were one to three millimeters, I was through the roof in PG and AA, like through the roof. And I was like, how can this be? Like my gums are tight and firm and I don't understand uh, really where this is happening from. So I got thrown, she, she gently placed me in her chair, if you will. She invited me to sit down and I sat in her chair and we did a full uh, workup. And what she found was I had a lot of burnished calculus around my molars. I had just had a cleaning a couple months prior and there was a lot uh, sub around my molars, which of course, as you know, it's hard to scale your own molars. I wasn't scaling my own molars, but I was in the chair at least once a year. Right. And (laughs) frankly, a lot of us, it's once a year is good for us because we're, we're working every day. We can't get into the chair. So uh, long story short, that's what really led me down this, this route of, okay, what's happening systemically where I'm getting this uh, inflammation. 
From there, I went, I walked down the hall and she works with a, a nurse practitioner. The nurse practitioner found that I was in um, a lot of adrenal fatigue, meaning my body was just kind of shutting down with all of the stress. Um, and then we found out as well that I had a lot of um, lead in my uh, mercury. I had a lot of mercury in my blood. Um, from there, we found out that I uh, had a parasite, most likely from when I've done my mission trip. So there was all of these things. And what was fascinating to me was, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Even though like my normal blood work looks fine, there's something else happening here. And prior to this experience of experiencing these symptoms myself, I would have patients that would come in and talk about how they wanted to get all of their amalgams removed. And I'd be like, hmm, that's a little much. So like, mm. And do I think amalgams need to be removed off every patient? Absolutely not. But I do think there is a place for more functional um, medicine. And this really took me down the route of experiencing and healing my body, learning to listen to my body. Um, and I was able to get healthier. So I went off of gluten, all my rashes went away, my joint pain went away, my anxiety reduced, my depression reduced. And it was all done naturally. And that's where I really started to think differently about it. Then I started looking at the patients that even though they had healthy tissue, I was like, well, if, even though their tissue looks healthy, what's laying dormant under here that's waiting for a, you know, a compromised immune system to really act up? So that's where I really found my love for saliva. Uh, way back then. And it wasn't until um, the HR5 test came out where I was really seeing, oh my gosh, there's so many other products that we can also help our patients. The fact that I may be creating a super pathogen in my patient was really important for me to prevent. So that's when I really started uh, stalking Laura Hooper. <laughs> Uh, the saliva queen. And she taught me uh, so much more about saliva and I'm honored to be going down that route. But that's really where it started for me about getting patients healthier and really noticing it's, we have the ability with our patients to make a a really, for lack of a better woo term, but really a soul connection with them where we can really identify what's going wrong. And throughout COVID, I saw this even more where patients are isolated and really struggling. And you don't get that experience on a telehealth appointment. But you do get it if you're open to providing it as a hygienist chair side, where you can make that eye contact, you can figure out what they need to be successful. And the biggest thing that I enjoy with practicing more root cause hygiene is where we're actually taking the patient from believing they'll always have a certain disease or they're going to have it because their parents had it to now more empowered and they understand why they're using the products they're, they're using. They're more engaged in their overall systemic health. And we can do it in a way where we're actually creating healthier patients. So we have more time to dive in to that systemic health during the traditional appointment time as well. Yeah, I obviously, you know, you know, from our conversation, we're definitely wired the same way. And I, I think for, for any of our listeners that have not yet really made the, the jump to doing salivary testing, it's, you know, I think people get overwhelmed by it at the beginning because they don't know, you know, that you know, the timing in the office yes. is a stressful thing. So they think, oh, I don't have time for that. And then you got to learn, you know, what do these, you know, results mean? And how do I talk about that? You know, there's all that piece. But I think there is such a benefit, not only from a therapeutic standpoint of knowing what we're up against and then how to how to come at it, but to connect with that patient and help them understand, like, like you said, like, I thought my mouth was healthy. Things were fine. And then I did that salivary testing was like, oh my gosh, what's actually happening in here? And patients at this point, you know, are so prone to think, oh yeah, my, my gums bleed a little bit. It's no big deal. Like that just 
for some reason, a, a commonality in a lot of patients' heads. And then when you can explain, actually, that's not normal and that's not healthy. And this inflammation we're seeing is a sign of something more going on. Like, let's dig in and see. Then when they see those results for themselves, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, wait, what? This, right. this is a big deal. What am I going to do about it? So I always encourage, you know, our listeners, like if you haven't done it yet, make the shift, look into it, start researching it, start doing it because it's, I think that's, that's where we're headed for sure down the road. So I have to ask, because obviously I know you, you run a business functional RDH and I want to talk mm -hmm. about that, but I also know you do thrive in the op and those are two different programs. So tell me kind of which came first and, 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 yeah. and what does that encompass? Yeah. So the Thrive in the Op came first. And what I was seeing in the industry was so many hygienists leaving the industry during COVID. And a lot of what I found when I was talking to hygienists about why they were leaving, it was less about the actual hygiene itself and more about the way that they were experiencing their employees, their or their coworkers, rather, their patients. They were burnt out and honestly really jaded. And I'm like, how did you get to this point where you're so angry? You're so angry about the profession. And, and how did you show up? Were you showing up angry? Like the way you're even talking to me is very aggressive. So is if you're putting out aggression, that's what you're going to get back. And let me kind of coach you on how you can, how to say something and how to get what, what you want in a respectful way. But also let me coach you on what it looks like from a practice standpoint, because I was fortunate enough to work for uh, Jameson Management for a few years uh, where I was their chief of clinical technology. So I was going into practices and really looking at the clinical and business side of things. And I know the stresses of a practice owner. The practice owner isn't trying to be malicious and saying, I'm not getting you new instruments because I don't want to. They're thinking they have a budget and they don't really know what the patient experience is to this technology. They think that the instruments might be fine. So if we're not approaching our you know, leadership team on why it's important, what we need and having those open conversations in a way that's not coming hot, where we clean up our own kind of thoughts before we go in, we can create such a better rapport and and for me personally, a lot of the dentists that I've worked with in the past and currently are more like peers where I can express what's going on. I feel supported. I feel welcomed. But that didn't always come naturally for me. And it didn't always come naturally to the dentist. I had to create the foundation from the moment I walked in of what my expectations were. And they knew what to get out of me. And if there was a time where the patient was an extreme gagger and I got overlap even on that second retake and I did the best I could, I would literally say, I understand this is not my best, but the patient who's gagging and I was concerned about lunch coming up on me. So could you bear with me? I did take a different angle. It's kind of awkward. I know it's an awkward angle, but I think we open up the contact better in this picture. And immediately the dentist would giggle and be like, oh my gosh, thank you. And to be able to be real and raw with it, de dentists are human too. And I think I saw this huge collide between dentists and hygienists and this message of being trapped in an op. And I was like, no one is ever trapped anywhere. Okay. First of all, if you're not in the wrong fit for a practice, let me coach you. Let me help you with your skills so you can find the right fit. Um, so when we look at creating um, Thrive in the Op, what it, when it happened was August of uh, 2021. 
So right now we have over 200 Thriving the Op members. And essentially what it is, is it's over 50 on-demand lessons, everything from clinical and business skills that you didn't learn in school, from how to code properly, to uh, how to interview, to what should be in your offer letter, to how to have difficult conversations, to forms of when to dismiss your patient, forms for medical clearance, forms for more of a functional kind of mindset uh, with medical histories, and really diving into where that patient's root cause of disease is all in Thrive. Uh, and we also have a private community. So it's really an amazing support system. Um, I've never experienced anything like the hygienists that are in the group. Everybody is cheerleaders for each other. Uh, and it's amazing. It's amazing to see uh, people just sit back and uh, support one another in this really amazing um, community. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And, you know, that's why Bulletproof exists too, because we, it, it Hygiene can feel so lonely and like such an island. And, you know, you're preaching my language about, you know, the, the hygienist and the doctor, it should be a peer situation. It is, you know, the hygienist and the doctors are the two producers in the practice. Right. So, you know, that should be definitely a very in sync, in tandem relationship. Um, you know, there's also that magic of the hygienist getting to spend so much more time face to face with the patient. You know, how many times have we had a patient come in that we have spoken to about what, are, you know, the needs we see and the recommendations we make and the doctor pops in for five minutes and they walk out and the, and the patient looks at you, the hygienist and says, would you do that? You know, yeah. how many times has that happened? And it's, we've got to overlap and really work together as a team. So I love mm -hmm. that. I think it's so, so important. So you started Thrive in the Op and then mm -hmm. where did the functional RDH come into play? Yeah, so the functional RDH came into play where I'm learning so much more. I've, I've done a lot of work with uh, IDM and I love Dr. Whit Wilkerson and Laura Hooper and Dr. Tom Neighbors. And I think I've just seen a different type of, I've experienced a different type of mentorship from all of them where they're humble experts in their field. And I see all of these hygienists that are in Thrive in the Up who want to really graduate to the next level. And I see many hygienists who are looking for a one-stop program. I mean, there's so many amazing CE out there, but there's not a hub that pulls it all together. Um, so I'm working on a very extensive curriculum uh, for the functional RDH certification. We'll be really looking at the root cause. So we'll be taking the bail donin method. We'll also be partnering with uh, IDM on using their content that they already have of sleep and all of the research that they bring with all of their amazing leaders. And what I will be is focusing on the hygiene side. So we'll be focusing from a hygienist what it looks like to implement those um, screenings for sleep, what it looks like to pull it all together in one practice. So uh, if everything goes to plan, hopefully we'll be doing, uh, we'll be partnering with uh, EMS and be doing a GBT training chair side. We'll be doing laser training chair side, salivary testing. We'll even be doing courses on how what it looks like to run your lines. And I'm pulling in all of uh, my amazing friends in the community who are experts in the specific topic. And we'll be creating a certification for hygienists. So that way we have a really functional hygiene model where we know how to read simple blood tests. We know how to refer out. And we're really uh, working with MDVIP to support what this is going to look like and how to provi uh, provide recommendations to other providers in the medical space. Because of course we're not experts, but uh, what I will tell you is by being on this journey, I have a pretty severe, which you know, um, long COVID. 
So I've been really diving into more of the functional uh, model than ever. You should see my summer reading list. It's going to be great on the beach reading all about mitochondria and really nerding out. My neighbor the other day, I have a really fun neighbor. His name is Bob and I happen to live in a community where most of my neighbors are retired, which works out great for me because I'm an old soul. And uh, he was like, I saw all those books be delivered the other day. You get anything good? And I'm like, yeah, come on in. He's like in my house and I'm like showing him. He's like, this is why you're single, Amber. Like, these are all so nerdy. I'm like, I know. I'm like, my person will appreciate it one day. Okay. Just so it's just hilarious. But um, so we're building this curriculum. And I will say, after being on this journey, it's been so amazing to empower patients uh, throughout. Q3 last year and Q4, I wore a constant glucose monitor just to learn more about insulin, learn more about the content I wanted to create, speaking a lot about diabetes. And I wanted to do firsthand screenshots of what it looks like when I ate certain things with my constant glucose monitor. And through this conversation, I stumbled upon um, an author who wrote the book, uh, Glucose Goddess. And Laura Hooper had recommended her to me as well. And uh, long story short, one of my patients came in and I said, okay, what are your A1C levels? And he was like, I don't know. I don't get those checked. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to really change Amber. You know, we've been working together for a year and you can tell, and I'm like, I understand, but your gums, I cannot, I cannot stop your gum disease from progressing. If your A1C levels are through the roof. And I unbuttoned my lab coat. I showed him my constant glucose monitor. And I was like, I'm doing this for you. And he was like, what? And I was like, I am, because I want to prove to you that my eye can spike as a healthy patient. And I want to show you how I'm going to be stabilized. And I need you to read this book. And uh, six months after that initial conversation, his insulin uh, doses have reduced. His A1C levels are balanced. And I got a call from his physician saying, what did you do for this patient? He's the toughest patient. We cannot believe that he stabilized. Like, bravo to you. I'm getting, you know, flowers from his wife saying, thank you. Like, he's happier. We, you know, he's not as stressed out and he's not as on edge. Like he used to be, he was always irritated before. So this is where I know it's my calling to build this, um, you know, program and community for the functional RDH model. And uh, yeah, we're working on some really cool uh, stuff that I can't talk about, but uh, some brick and mortar places. And I, I can't wait uh, to be able to launch it to the community. And I love that story. And I also recommend that same book to a lot of my patients, um, especially it's funny. I had a patient uh, the other day who struggles with PCOS yes. and I said, Hey, I have a book for you. She's like, well, Mine's not really the glucose version, but she's also very, very overweight. And I was like, I just, just trust me, just check it out. And, and what I love about that book are the, the hacks are so easy to implement. Mm -hmm. So it's not a, a full throttle, you know, change everything in your life. So right. yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan as well. So tell me what is the functional RDH? Like what at this point, if someone was interested in, in moving forward with that, what does that look like? Yes. Before I answer that question, I want to just briefly touch on the PCOS thing that might be um, new information for you. Yeah. So when we look at women's health, oftentimes there's a hormonal imbalance. And when we look historically, uh, doctors like to balance women's hormones with doing um, with just a, a birth control. Uh, so for me in my life, I uh, was recently diagnosed. I was diagnosed a year and a half ago with endometriosis. Uh, and they told me, you know, within the year, you're probably going to have to have your uterus out. And I was 34 at the time. So I was like, wait, and they were like, yeah, we really want to put you on birth control. And I was like, I don't want to be on birth control. It's just not for me. I don't like the way it makes you feel, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I found a uh, seed cycling. 
And mm -hmm. seed cycling is where you eat different seeds depending on your uh, cycle. So the first two weeks, you'll eat like pumpkin seeds and sesame seeds. The next two weeks, you'll have flax seeds and uh, I think like some sunflower. Mm -hmm. And um, long story short, by rotating through this, it balances your hormones. And my doctor was really skeptical of me doing it. I was like, I'll do it. I'll be your, your guinea pig. And she was, I literally just had my follow-up. She was like, you've never looked healthier. And I would have never guessed you were struggling before. Um, so it's amazing what the body can do when you're fueling the body. And we've walked so far away from that with processed foods and oh, yeah. it's another segment for another day, but. Well, I yeah. have to tell you this too, because my podcast last week um, was with a functional PA, um, Kate Vasquez. You have to, you've got to check that out. I'm excited to listen um, to it. She actually has a book out. Um, it's called um, Estrogen is a Bitch. It's on Amazon. Okay. And okay. she has all about seed cycling in that book and talks I about what birth control does to our body. Like it's the book's incredible. The podcast is incredible. So it's really funny because yeah, I just had this Perfect conversation. Time. I love it. Well, wonderful. I can't wait to read the book. I'll add to the summer list. Yes, there we go. Oh. You have to show Bob. Recommend it to I'll show Bob. I'll show Bob. He'll love it. So, oh. tell, us, tell us how to, what, what, what functional RDH looks like for someone who's interested. Yes. So what for um, the functional RDH looks like for someone who's interested is honestly right now signing up for my newsletter. We are in the development phase where I'm actually going out and surveying and figuring out what success looks like. So my goal is and my vision is to really have multiple courses that are hands on. But I also want to be practical with it because I know hygienists can't be flying out and most hygienists can't afford to have travel expenses uh, to be flying to the New England area to, you know, perhaps a facility to have everything done every, you know, four four weeks out of the year. That's not practical. Uh, so what we're doing is we're doing a hybrid where we'll have some on-demand lessons and a portal for hygienists and then the curriculum that requires you to be in person. So what that looks like at the moment is honestly signing up for the newsletter. Um, and this should be fully launched and fully rolled out by this time next year. Uh, so we'll be keeping the classes smaller um, because we do think it's important to have that hands-on approach and part of the certification will be required to work on each other. Right. So we want to look at each other and we want to look at each other's saliva and say, oh my gosh, you know, most of the time in professionals, we have some sort of resistance in our saliva because we've created super pathogens because our mouths are so clean. So we want to be able to really get each other healthier and then swap partners halfway through and work with a different partner. So we get to learn their case and we get that firsthand knowledge as well. So we'll be going through everything from uh, blood testing, salivary testing. Uh, the CIMT scans. Uh, think of it really kind of pulling in previous models and again, partnering with IBM on this and having great uh, lecturers that are experts in the field. Uh, and I'll be kind of coming up with the model for hygiene. So we'll review what this looks like for your schedule, what this looks like for medical insurance, what this also looks like. And my greater vision is if you want to go and work in, let's say with a cardiologist, what does that look like? How does it look like you can really hone in your educational approach to be outside of a traditional operatory if that's what you're going for. Nice. I love it. I love it. So tell me, um, where do you see the industry going? I know what you're going to say part of this, but in the next <laughs> 10 years, and what is that going to take on our part as hygienists to get us there? Mm, such a good question. Well, I, I know where the industry is going. It's going to take us to be, to get uncomfortable. Um, because the industry is going in a totally different direction. We have so many companies that are owned by DSOs 
And we're going to be more of a DSO marketplace for sure. It is our job as hygienists to figure out what we're going to say yes to and what we're going to say no to. And we're going to have an invitation to elevate the standard of care as a community and to invest in resources like, you know, Thrive in the Op or the functional RDH or Bulletproof, where we get the tools that we need to go like this as a profession. What it's going to take to get there is we're going to have to be really well spoken. We're going to have to really be okay with being uncomfortable. We're going to have to be okay with failing. We're going to have to learn how to be time management ninjas so that we can do this. And we're going to have to remove those two barriers of time and money. So what it's going to come down to is figuring out how we can really have a different holistic approach to care. And when I mean holistic, I'm not saying, oh, let's toss, you know, any sort of fluoride out the gate. And uh, I've had a lot of questions on that. I use fluoride. Uh, I think it's just more of looking at the approach of the root cause, where the disease is coming from. Um, if they're a mouth breather, what does that mean for them? How do we help heal that? And having those conversations and partnerships with dentists. The cool thing about the industry is hygienists are able to do more and more. So this needs to be an approach where we're not necessarily competing with dentists. Instead, we're coming them with a, a plan of let us do this for you. We understand your stress. You're, you have multiple practices. We understand, but we don't want these multiple practices to get into the way of reducing the standards, right? Because our standards of care was set in the 50s and they haven't really changed since the 50s if, if you're going by traditional what's on paper. So, and we know so much more. So I think it's a really awesome call to action. I'm super excited to see where the hygiene field goes. And uh, again, it just comes from how we're presenting ourselves and, and how we're leveraging up as a team, not competing with each other, but instead saying, hey, how do we do this? And I think that's a really cool uh, spot in the industry that we're at too, where we can collaborate, even though we do similar things and say like, we're not in competition at all. Like you have a different approach. And I have a different approach. And this is great. In reality, we're sharing that same message, um, mission of helping each other get better. Yeah, I love this. And I, I feel like I have, because we have a community, we have our, we um, use Mighty Network and have a Bulletproof Hygiene community in that. And so people will come and ask questions and share thoughts. And, you know, I'm running into, I'll say, even at the, the IDM conference, I sat next to a dentist who, you know, I was talking to and getting to know. And he said, you know, I've been a big part of, you know, I've gone to many AOSH meetings and um, you know, I, I just, I'm really embracing all of this information that I'm learning. Um, he said, but I just haven't, I haven't been able to make the shift yet to give my hygienist more time. And I'm thinking, and I at point blank said, I said, you're going to have to do that. Like, if this is what you want to embrace, you're going to have to make that change. So I love what you said about it's going to take us getting uncomfortable and whether that's because right now, I think this is what happens in your in, ev in everybody's head when they hear these new opportunities, whether it's salivate, salivary testing or GBT or, you know, whatever these different options are, they think I don't have time for that. Yep. And that's true within the current parameters that you have set. You don't. So it's going to take revamping those parameters and really kind of prioritizing what is it going to take to achieve true health like you can't. Right keep doing the same thing over and over expecting different results. That's the definition of insanity. Right. So as you know, uh, for listeners that are listening going, yeah, I mean, this all sounds great. And I'd love to do that, but I just don't have time. It is, it's going to be that, that uncomfortable, like, okay, let's revamp this. And then, like you said, going to the doctor and saying, Hey, I know we've been doing it the same way for a long time. And, you know, doctors, if you're talking, if you want to talk numbers, that's where you're going to kind of break through of, Hey, this is where we've been 
producing. This is where we're at. This is where I see us going if we can implement these things. So, right. Yeah. yeah I love that. And what's so funny is what I hear a lot of is hygienists saying, oh, my dentist will never go for that. Yep. And then in hindsight, I see dentists who are like, well, I cannot find a hygienist who's interested in doing that. And I'm like, you guys are all here. It's just a matter of connecting you. And not everybody is going to want to. And and I know this, not everybody is going to want to practice a functional hygiene model where they're taking maybe 90 minutes to two hours with a patient. Some hygienists don't want that. And that's okay, right? That's okay. I'm not going to force them to do that. Um, Where this is looking more towards perhaps even being in a DSO model where we have a functional RDH who's seeing that new patient and finding out the root cause and then handing them over to somebody else who's also trained in these things, but it's already been established of what gingival track they're in and they have help doing that. And that's really where I see the huge opportunity. Um, not every hygienist is going to want to, uh, you know, practice in a manner that is harder to be frank. Um, and that's okay. That's, you know, it really is. I'm not here to change everybody's model and not every hygienist is owns their own DSLR camera and is retracting the patients and standing on getting excited about, you know, the different colors of the triplac gel and how it's reduced since the last time. Um, so it's, it's really cool. But what I can tell you is the more hygienists who do get excited about it and the more who do step in and the model that I really want to create is we're meeting you wherever you are. So, you know, you start and thrive in the op, you get those clinical and business skills that you need to find the job that you want, that's going to allow you to practice a functional hygiene model. And uh, that's, what's really cool. So it's really cool to see hygienists who enter into the program. They're burned out. They feel like they're at the the end of the road. They're feeling like they may want to leave the profession forever to, you know, three months later getting offered a job, even though they weren't looking and we go back to their initial goal and their initial goals, they have it all listed down of how they want to feel and, and where they want to work and what's out there. And it's really amazing to see that sparkly shift. And I call it a sparkly shift because it's the best way I can describe it. You see life come back into these healthcare providers and, you know, it's not easy doing what we do. It's a very vulnerable thing, working in people's mouths and literally feeling their energy as you're in there. And so many patients are anxious. And my goal is to teach the hygienist also how to be happy and healthy in and outside of the ops. So when they get there, it's not draining. And when they get there, they can leave fulfilled at the end of the day and not feel emotionally drained and dreading to go back the next, but excited about the opportunities that happen in the office. Yeah, our our hearts beat to the same drum for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's our goal in Bulletproof is, is help hygienists find fulfillment in this because we can't operate at a deficit. We can't care for people right. when, we're, when we don't feel cared for. So right. that's so important. Um, well, I'll, I want to wrap up. I'm so, so grateful for you and your time today. What what thought do you want to leave us with for our hygienists that are listening today? I think the thought that I want to leave the hygienist with is just, um, just the assurance that I know what it feels like to be operating in a way where you're not a good fit for the practice. And I know what it feels like to be a hygienist who's jumping around trying to find their forever dental home. And it's okay if you are going through that season. What you do have to do is take a pause and literally write down all of your dreams that you want to achieve. And your career is literally what you make it. If I had thought that, you know, as a new grad who is scared to present and uh, almost failed hygiene school, that I would have the career that I have now, there's no way I would have bet against myself. Uh, But it is possible to change your life whenever you're ready to do it. And all of it comes down to the mindset and being openness, having the openness to receive what's really meant for you. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for being a bright light in the hygiene world um, and for sharing your passion and for feeding that passion. You know, um, I just think that's really inspiring. Um, So I am going to, you'll see all of Amber's links attached uh, to this podcast today. If you want to check out Thrive in the Off and Thrive in the Off, and then also to sign up for the newsletter for Functional RDH. Um, and where, tell us where you're speaking next. Next, um, that I'm speaking is actually this week in Connecticut. So I'll be speaking for the Connecticut Dental Association. Nice. Awesome. And then, yeah, check out RDH Mag on Instagram because she has really fun videos that'll make you laugh. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here and uh, share this podcast episode with you. I'm so, um, excited to get to know you more. Yes. And thank you so much for your time. I hope everyone has enjoyed this uh, episode. And if you have any questions or thoughts, don't hesitate to uh, chime in on the Mighty Network and get to know Amber more. Thanks so much, everybody, and have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hedging Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.